0: Welcome, everyone, to our Zoom stream and our YouTube. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Uh, We are continuing in our service this morning from this wonderful book. Uh, Paul was writing and wrote this book from prison. Um, I guess you could say he was shut in, like we have been shut in. And this allowed him to write this beautiful book, which gave us this soaring theology about the church about how God's love is just given to us as his bride, and then also melds this beautiful theology with how do we walk this out as Christians. And so as has been our focus the last few weeks from chapters 4 to the last chapter, which is going to be chapter 6, Paul is really diving deeply into how do we become lights, how do we walk out our faith, and so there's a very practical side of it. So this morning, I want to share a couple stories. Um, One is going to be about an awesome wife, and this other story is going to be about an awesome husband. And then I want to talk about how these two people teach us from Ephesians 5 about marriage. So let's just open with a word of prayer here. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your presence in our midst, wherever we may be. Holy Spirit, be the teacher now that speaks to our heart. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the name of the awesome wife I want to talk about this morning is Sarah. And you've heard the saying that behind every great man is a great woman. Well, this saying couldn't be more true than of Sarah because Sarah's husband husband, was none other than Abraham, as in of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob fame, the founder of the Jewish people. He was the one that modeled the great doctrine, the righteous shall live by faith, as Paul wrote to us in Romans 4 and Galatians 3. This is one of the bedrock doctrines of Christianity, and Abraham modeled this before it was declared to us with such clarity by the Apostle Paul. Abraham was the one that was so obedient to God that he was willing to sacrifice his son if need be. Ultimately, he didn't have to do it, but that was his heart towards God. This is the one in whom God said, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And even went so far in Genesis 12 to say, I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you I will curse. Abraham is so famous that to this day, when Israel and United Arab Emirates signed a peace treaty in September, they named it the Abraham Accord. Now, remember, Abraham is a figure from 4,000 years ago, and yet his profile is so significant, they drew on his name to put on this treaty because he's not only the father of the Jews, but he's the father of the Muslims as well. So there are a few greater men in Jewish history than Abraham, and who was his wife? Sarah. She was the great woman behind the great man. And in a very unconventional way, I want us to see how her greatness was played out for us. So the story is told in Genesis 12, how when Abraham and Sarah were immigrating from Ur of Chaldea, which is modern-day Iraq, God called them to go to the Promised Land, and they had to pass through Egypt. But as they were thinking about doing that, Abraham became afraid that because of Sarah's beauty, his wife's beauty, they would kill him to take her. Now this tells you how beautiful Sarah must have been. That as the husband, he's like, oh no, they're going to see her and they're going to want to take her. And the only way to do that is if they get rid of me. And so to protect himself, Abraham concocted this story, telling Sarah, when they ask you who you are, tell them you're my sister and then they won't kill me to get you. So sure enough, as they passed through Egypt, Sarah's beauty was so stunning, she was reported to Pharaoh. And the king took Sarah to his palace. As if Abraham's ruse wasn't bad enough, Pharaoh actually paid Abraham's sheep and oxen and donkey and male and female servants for Sarah. He was like, man, your sister is so beautiful. I'm so grateful I get to have this beautiful woman who's going to be the queen and gives Abraham all these gifts. What a deal. Not only did Abraham save his own skin, he got paid handsomely for it. But God would have nothing to do with Abraham's foolishness. So he struck Pharaoh and his household with a plague in order to protect Sarah. And because of this disease that he put on Pharaoh, Pharaoh quickly returned Sarah to her husband. Now, can you imagine the conversation that Sarah and Abraham had when they got back to their tent What were you thinking, Abraham? You numbskull. You can be sure that Abraham was sent to the doghouse for weeks. Abraham completely uncovered his wife, exposed her, lied about her, and then left her to the designs of another man. What kind of husband was this? But guess what? As if this incident wasn't bad enough, It happened a second time. I know it sounds crazy, but in Genesis 20, as you continue on in that book, Abraham and Sarah continued their migration to the promised land. And we read that Abraham resorted to the exact same story, the exact same ruse, to protect himself when they came to a place called Gerar in the Negev region. And he was afraid that the king there would take Sarah because of her beauty. So Abraham once again told Sarah to tell the same lie. Now in actuality, the lie was not a full lie because Sarah was Abraham's half-sister. As Abraham would later explain, Sarah was the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. Well, whether it was a half-lie or not, the effect of it was a full lie. And sure enough, Once again, because of Sarah's great beauty, Abimelech the king took her and spared Abraham's life. So can you imagine Sarah's emotions? How can this be happening again? I just got over the first time, and now it's coming on me a second time. What am I, just a pawn, a bargaining chip, a life insurance policy? Am I your wife or not? Abraham left her vulnerable once again, another man. He's a total rat. Like Mimi likes to say to me when I do something wrong. Or you swine if I really do something bad. But like the first time, God intervenes on Sarah's behalf and sends a dream to King Abimelech. And God says to King Abimelech, you're a dead man because of the woman you've taken because she's married. And if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. That's divine protection in the highest sense. Thank God for being a firewall to Sarah. Now, how does the Bible describe Sarah's heroism? Is she like Wonder Woman? Yeah, she is, but not in the way that you think. Listen to what is described about Sarah in 1 Peter chapter 3, in the same way you wives be submissive to your husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chast and respectful behavior. Your adornment must not merely be external, braiding of hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Verse 5 and 6. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God and used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, verse 6, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become your children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Kind of hard to read maybe. This is crazy stuff. Not only did Sarah obey Abraham, she called him Lord. Not stupid, not you idiot, but Lord. How could she do this? Because she submitted to Abraham, knowing that Abraham was not the final say in her life. God was. She put her trust in God, even when Abraham was making a big mistake with her life. That is faith. Do you see why it wasn't just Abraham that was the father of faith? Sarah was a great woman of faith in her own right, under the most extreme circumstances even when it involved her own personal safety now the exhortation of this verse here in first peter 3 goes on to say to women you become her children if you do the same as in don't be afraid to submit to your husband because god is above them and will deal with your husbands as is necessary your husband doesn't have the final say god does Now, I know the word submit is a loaded word, so I'm going to come back to this in just a little bit. Despite what Abraham put Sarah through, she kept her composure, she held strong, and she made Abraham look good despite his colossal mistakes. She was an amazing wife. Later on, we see her faith activated once again, She is 90 years old. Abraham is 100 years old. They are barren because of their old age. And yet, because of their trust in God, they were able to bring forth a son from which the Jewish nation would increase. Sarah was an amazing woman and amazing wife. Let's talk now about an example of amazing husband, awesome husband. In Matthew 1, the Bible talks about a young man by the name of Joseph. And he was engaged to be married to a girl by the name of Mary, who would be the birth mother of Jesus. But it turns out before the wedding day, he finds out that she is already pregnant. What a heartbreak. What a betrayal. I can only imagine the anger he felt when Mary broke the news to him. Mary, how could you do this? Did you actually have relations with someone else while we were engaged? This was devastating stuff. Was he not good enough? And he could have taken his anger out on her and called her to be a loose or immoral woman. But he didn't do that. Rather, he subdued his anger, his embarrassment, his humiliation, and the Bible says because he was a righteous man, he purposed to put her away quietly and not disgrace her publicly. Joseph showed great compassion and great grace in the circumstance, and it also showed the measure of the man that he was. But he was, while he was planning to do this, God interrupted him. And it is on the slide there in Matthew chapter 1, The scripture says an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the conversation that Joseph had with Mary? Was it true? Is your conception actually from God, conceived by the Holy Spirit? You didn't cheat on me? How is this possible? Never in history of mankind has such a thing happened, nor will it ever happen again. And yet seeing the truth and looking into Mary's eyes, Joseph could tell it was true. She was not lying to him, and God was right. From that moment on, Joseph reversed course and took Mary to be his wife. But as you know, people are good at math. Mary would have a baby less than nine months after they were married. The whispers and the shame would be there, but Joseph did not flinch. He covered her. He protected her. He loved her. But boy, did her pregnancy put them through some difficult and dangerous times. Herod, who was the king in that season, would try to murder the child. So like fugitives, they had to flee the promised land, contending with the incredible stress of leaving their country secretly and as quickly as possible. The savings that had to be used or maybe drained because of the journey, going to a country they had never lived in before, never planned on going there, and then having to learn the new language and customs, eating the new foods, finding a place to live, finding work. All this because of this child that Joseph inherited. Jesus wasn't even his child. And yet he never complained to Mary. He never resented their situation or his wife. Joseph embraced it all. This was God's will for him. Mary must have treasured Joseph's sacrifice for her. How honorable he was, how protective he was, how caring and responsible he was, Few men would have done or dared believe what Joseph did. And and yet there he was laying his life down for her. He gave his all for Mary. I can only imagine the grief that Mary experienced when Joseph passed away while Jesus was in his teens. But all the memories of his love and how that must have comforted her put a smile on her face. Whenever she thought of him, Joseph was an amazing husband. Now, in these two people, the Bible gives us a portrait of two inspiring individuals. One was an amazing wife, Sarah to Abraham. One was an amazing husband, Joseph to Mary. And with this in mind, I want us to read Ephesians 5 using their voices as if they're reading the verses to us. So as we start out here in verse 22, reading through 24, let Sarah's voice be reading this passage to us. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. There's that loaded word again, submit. This would be hard to take were it not Sarah lending her voice to this passage because she lived and modeled what this verse meant. In our contemporary culture, the word submission does not fall well on our modern ears. And yet the Bible is telling us this. This is a secret to being an awesome wife. How then do we properly understand this word. Well, let's talk about what submission is not. It's not being a doormat. It's not, honey, get the newspapers and bring me my slippers. It's not being disrespected or regarded as second class. The Bible teaches that a man and wife are co-heirs in life. They are of equal value, equally treasured in the eyes of God. Any talk of men lording it over women is biblically wrong. You only have to look at Jesus and the discussion comes to a screeching halt. Jesus was a trailblazer in how he treated women. He reset the picture from what our broken world portrays, from what our culture portrays and preaches and teaches and resets it to God's picture, the kingdom picture, the gospel picture. Submission is about a heart attitude, and God has made men and women different. They're created with different biologies, they have different physicality, different emotional and psychological makeups, and they have different roles in creation. In God's economy, woman was formed from man's rib, as it says in Genesis 2. But in propagation, man comes from women in birth. They're interdependent. They're united but distinct, they're complements to one another. 1 Corinthians 11 says, Man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as a woman originated from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. So we see God's horizontal, side-by-side design between a husband and a wife. They're complementary. But there's also God's vertical design, which which is called headship. In Ephesians 5, which we read a little bit earlier, which I'll emphasize says that the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. That's the vertical dimension. Now, as women, you might buck the idea that your husband is over you. But here's the thing. The more fearsome prospect is that Christ is head over your husband. Paul makes it really clear in this verse here in 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to understand... Paul is speaking that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. God brings hierarchy into culture, into family structure in order to produce order and mission. And Jesus himself is even under authority to the Father. Your husband may have to answer to you, And you know how scary it is for husbands to answer to wives. But what is even more scary is how men have to answer to God for how they treat their wives. Falling into the hands of an angry wife is one thing. But falling into the hands of an angry God is an altogether another thing. This is why the scripture says that Sarah could submit to Abraham in everything. Again, these are strong words. Of course, in saying everything, we're not talking about immoral things, illegal things, hurtful things. It's just the idea that this heart attitude is thorough and deep and assured. She understood the chain of command. It wasn't just a human chain of command. It was a chain that extended right up to the throne of God. Men will give account to God how they treat their wives. In fact, this is how women unleash heaven on their husbands. You see it up the chain. And instead of trying to manhandle, manipulate, nag, or change their husbands, they stay calm, pray to God, and let God do the work. It requires patience and suffering, no doubt. But nothing changes a man better than the heavy hand of God. This is the heart attitude of submission. It's not a doormat proposition. It's, in fact, a worship posture. I believe this is how God called in divine, Sarah, how Sarah called in divine protection for herself when she was taken by the king of Egypt and King Abimelech. My husband, God, that scoundrel is doing nothing right now, so please send in help. And God instantly sends divine protection because that's how the chain of command works. Sarah understood Paul's teaching here in Ephesians 5 on submission before he even wrote these words. She's such a powerful example of how this passage plays itself out. Now let's read the next passages with Joseph lending his voice to us. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to herself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now this too would be hard to take were it not Joseph giving voice to this passage because men don't like to humble themselves to women. What is all this talk about giving up our lives for our wives? If there are any glamorous notions of headship, it's put to rest in this verse because headship is about servanthood. Being a husband is laying down our lives for our wives just as Jesus did for his church. That is the bar that God has set for man. Lay down your life in the same way I laid down my life for the church. Meditate On that deeply, men. So when I run across the house to help my wife with a computer for the tenth time in the midst of my sermon preparation, interrupted once again, that's loving my wife like Jesus did. When I take out the garbage, fill her car's gas tank, water her lemon plants, and record it in her journal when she's out of town. Mimi has taken to loving her lemon plants and wanted me to water them like down to the milliliter. Like I almost have to titrate the water into these plants and then record it into the journal. That's me loving my wife. Or maybe giving up a hockey night to watch a rom-com with her. That's servant leadership. When I sit with her and she tells me about something that is bugging the nuts out of her, even though it's irrational, that's love processing is important. Rationality in that moment is not. Serving our wives is what beautifies them because it communicates worth to them. Again, from Ephesians 5, the scripture says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to do what? To make her holy Cleansing her by the washing with the water of the word so that she can be radiant without stain or wrinkle, holy and blameless. That's communicating worth. Christ is the model of headship. He is the marriage seminar for men. Listening, providing, sound decision-making, leading, protecting, empathizing, anticipating, cherishing, servant leadership, is the secret to being an awesome husband. That's the biblical picture of headship. And that's exactly what Joseph modeled in his love for Mary. So we bring together this teaching of awesome wives and awesome husbands by reading verse 21, which is the connecting verse in this section. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Marriage is about mutual respect and honor. Not one way, not just husband to wife, not just wife to husband. Mutual respect and honor. Awesome wives respect their husbands by having a good heart attitude and praying for their husbands to have wisdom and discernment in God's heart. To do so is to understand God's chain of command. Men have an important responsibility in being the husband because they are to model Jesus' love as he did for his bride. That's a tall order. Awesome husbands show honor to their wives by pouring themselves out for their spouse, their time, their money, their energy, focus, attention, and affection so as to cherish them and show them their worth. They work hard to make their wives the apple of their eye. And when there's this reciprocation of love and care, you have a bond that can hardly be broken and one that reflects the beauty that God has given between a man and a woman in marriage. Let me add this before we close. To the singles, gals, find a man that you can respect and honor, and that can lead you. Guys, find a woman that you can lay your life down for and pour your life into with joy. So Jesus, we thank you for the example of Sarah. We thank you for the example of Joseph. We thank you how they illustrate so vividly for us this passage in Ephesians 5. How we all have a role to play, Lord, in building strong marriages which lead to strong families. It's countercultural, but it's life and it's freedom and it's power and it's dominion. This morning, ladies, ask yourself what has your attitude been towards your husband? This morning, husbands, ask yourself have you been properly serving your wives? If you are, praise the Lord. Continue on and spread, spread that to other men. And ladies, spread that to other women. But if the Holy Spirit has spoken something to you that you need to shore up, then respond to the Holy Spirit right now. So Jesus, thank you that your word is is so real. It's so practical. And it speaks into the very structures of man and woman's relationship. Speaks to the very dynamics in marriage that we should have. That that becomes a glory to you. That becomes a testimony to you. So we thank you this morning, God, for the teaching of Paul and the illustration of that through Sarah and Joseph. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, have a safe week in particular as we go about um, observing the new guidelines given to us by the province, and we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.